Hey, I don't know uh, what your fears are. They change as we get older, but uh, there's no way that you can read the Bible without coming uh, across the 100s, hundreds of times that the Bible tells us in one way or another uh, to fear not. Uh, Old Testament and New, Jesus' words, God's words in the Old Testament come to us, don't be afraid, why are you afraid, fear not, over and over again. And it's hard to do a series of messages called Stop It, and when we're talking about the things Jesus told us not to do, if we would leave out fear not. Um, fear is, um, fear is a, a strong and unpleasant emotion that is um, triggered by uh, looming danger or threat, whether that looming danger be real or perceived. Uh, some of you have been into a haunted house or been into a scary movie and you knew it wasn't real, but it scared you to death. And you knew what was around that corner was going to jump out at you, but it still scared, scared you to death. It happens in the moment. It's, re it's real or it's perceived. It's kind of like anxiety, but a little different. Anxiety is kind of a lingering ap apprehension of things that uh, may happen in the future, and they're unclear to you. And fear leads to anxiety, and anxiety leads to fear. Fear, fear um, makes us avoid things. Uh, there may be something that you know you need to do. Maybe something even though you, even that you know God wants you to do. And um, you're avoiding it. And one reason that people avoid fear, uh, uh, avoid something, is because of fear of that. It may not be a terrifying thing. It just be not wanting to deal with whatever that uh, may be. There's lots of ways that fear uh, affects us. Uh, fear makes us insecure. Uh, this will happen with little kids sometimes, and a little kid goes into new surroundings, and the child doesn't know anybody or see anything that looks familiar at all, and uh, the little child will stay really, really close to mommy. The, little, the child will stay really, really close to daddy. Why? Because they're insecure. Um, this can happen with either sexes, I, uh, I would assume, but I notice many times that um, if, if a female is insecure, uh, that in a situation like a party situation or a situation where a lot of people there and people are mingling, if a female feels insecure, she'll, she'll hang around uh, her husband pretty close. A guy could do the same thing, or maybe a guy will just lean on the wall and hold up the wall over there. Fear, fear uh, can lead to negative thinking. Uh, if I'm apprehensive, if I'm anxious, and I could have this negative script that goes on in my mind over and over and over again, fear leads to that, anxiety leads to that. Fear can lead to some really weird coping strategies, whether those could be pills that one would take to help them with those fears or some other things that people may use to cope with that. A fear, fear is a real deal, whether it's zombies or whether it's the fear of, of whatever you may face. Fear of um, a spouse that may leave you Fear of a spouse who has left you and you're not 
sure of what the future holds and the future is unclear. Fear for children, uh, fear for what they may have to face and maybe protect them a little too much. We all protect our kids and that's a good and godly thing, but there's some kind of line there, I guess. Fear makes us do some things that we probably shouldn't do. We hear the word cancer and uh, we are fearful of that. We have a job loss, we have a layoff, we have uncertainty in our employment, uncertainty in our income, and fear and anxiety is a natural thing. So that's one of the reasons it bothers me so much that we have this term fear not. Because it's, it's so natural. And in fact, a little weird if you don't have it. Um, I don't like heights, okay? I, I just never have. I've, and if, but I think fear is a natural emotion when you're at the edge of stepping off. Uh, there's an embankment or something here. It's, it's a natural motion that would uh, smarten you up a little bit and have you take a step back from that. Fear is not always bad. In fact, fear can be very, very, very good. There's a certain fear that the Bible talks about that is good and that you should have, and that's the fear of the Lord. And that's not kind of terrified fear. That's an awe and a reverence that he is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do. I don't know about you. I have fear of my dad. Now, I didn't go around cowering in fear over my dad. I love my dad. My dad loved me. But there was a certain fear that I had of my dad that, A, I did not want to disappoint him, and, B, I did not want to see what consequences there were going to be for the actions that I did if I did disappoint him. Fear is not a horrible thing. Fear is a God-given emotion that is... is properly used but evidently there's a way that fear cannot be properly used and I think what the Bible refers to many 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 hundreds of times is a fear that keeps you from doing what you need to do in life whatever that may be you know I think this has probably been as, as difficult a sermon that I put together in 25 years and you may be surprised at that but you know, I like to be really honest when I preach, and I don't like to play preacher, and I don't like to say a lot of things that are heavenly and may not work down in the real world. I like to preach about things right where the rubber meets the road in your own life, and, and that's, probably, that's probably some of the reasons probably this is incorrect of me, but I, that's why I don't preach about heaven a whole lot. Uh, that's going to happen one day, but... Um, I like to preach about what we face in real life. And it seems to me to be very, very odd. If you're out on a boat like the disciples were, and the waves were crashing over the boat, that you not have some fear. I just think that's very, very odd. I think it's very, very odd that if I lose my job or lose my source of income or somehow I'm... Um, three or four years from retiring and my retirement accounts take a big hit and all that, for me not have fear and anxiety, it's not human. And there is no part of Christianity, listen to me, there is no part of Christianity that takes, you, takes your humanity away from you. We're not angels. We are subject to the same frailties and difficulties 
and discouragements as an unbeliever is. 1633 of John, I've quoted to you a hundred times. In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. Whether you're a Christian or whether you're an unbeliever, whether you're a Nazarene or whether you're a Baptist, it doesn't make any difference. In this world, you will have trouble. So how do I reconcile this, this, these hundreds of times in the Bible, many times that Jesus says, fear not, with there are some things that you need to be fearful of, and it's a God-given thing, and it's a pretty good thing for our kids to be fearful of not getting up on the roof and falling off the roof. How do, so how do we reconcile all of that kind of stuff? Uh, let's go to the passage that I just referred to in Matthew chapter 8. Uh, the disciples were out on a, uh, on a boat. And um, uh, the scripture says in Matthew 8, then he got to be Jesus. Then Jesus got into a boat and his disciples followed him. And the next verse says, suddenly a furious storm. wasn't a storm. God, God inspired Matthew to say this was a heck of a storm. This was a big storm. This was a furious storm. These were fishermen. They had been on the boat before. These are fishermen. They had been in a storm before. This was not a bunch of rookies that had never, ever been uh, out on the water before. And so the text says it was a furious storm came up on the lake so that the wave swept over the boat. All right, fishermen or not, if I'm in that boat and I see waves are so high they're coming over top of the boat, I just think it's not human to have that emotion of fear and that emotion of fear is pretty a good thing right then because it ought to make you do something it ought to make you prepare for whatever is going to happen here the bible says that jesus was sleeping and i'll never be able to explain that okay the disciples went and woke him saying jesus uh, said lord save us we're going to drown i don't know about you i think one of the worst ways you could die would be to drown i, I don't know you know we all have i, I assume there's probably worse ways but for me to be able to, seems like not breathe and have to breathe in that water, and that, that just seems like the, I can't imagine a worse way to drown, which would obviously spawn a good bit of fear in me. He replied, you of little faith. We talked about that last week in the worry passage, that, that the writer just invents a, wor invents a word by putting two words together, and, and that literally mean little faithers. You little faithers, you. It's a good translation here, you of little faith. But they just invented, the writer just invented a word. Little faith. You little faithers, you. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. These were experienced fishermen. Been through storms before. So this was a storm. This was a serious storm. And so I was dealing with this. I mean, that's the most natural thing in the world for me to be afraid. I, I cannot relate to a type of human that takes that without fear manifested in their, in their bodies that they would start sweating and, and their heart would start pounding and, and the what-ifs would, would come up and all that kind of... I just can't imagine any human being, Christian or not, that would not have those thoughts. So, so what is this, Jesus? What does this fear not kind of mean? Because it seems like any sane person is going to have some fear and so i was thinking through that and and talking to the lord about that and i said lord i i want to i want to preach something down to earth because nobody's going to buy this if i just go don't says well don't be afraid you know even though the 
waves are crashing over the boat, don't be afraid. Jesus says, fear not. That just seems like it falls flat to me. It would if I was sitting where you're sitting. So I continue to think about this, and it wasn't to, Saturday, uh, to Friday night that I found what I knew I wanted. And, 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 and it, it perfectly said what I felt like this passage really means for us. Uh, some of you know the name Elizabeth Elliot. Some of you don't. Elizabeth Elliot was the wife of Jim Elliot. Jim and his friends went, to, went as missionaries to Ecuador to minister to and try to reach uh, unreached people. Not only unreached people, but uncivilized people. This was back in the, I don't know, I assume this is probably back in the 40s or so. And as God would have it, when Jim and his friends landed on that remote place of Ecuador there and saw those um, uncivilized people who, who had never seen a white face before. And obviously they probably thought it was a ghost or whatever they could understand. And Jim Elliott and his friends were killed on the beach that day. Elizabeth Elliott being his wife, uh, had the same call to go to Ecuador as well. She knew she did. She knew God wanted her to go to Ecuador. But obviously, post this incident, incident, she was terrified. And she'll write and say that I was just literally terrified. I didn't know how. I, I knew God wanted us to be there. I knew God wanted me to be there. But I didn't know how I could ever go back. And for obvious reasons, her husband and four of his friends were slaughtered on the beach by people by some uncivilized people who were scared of them. And so Elizabeth was talking to Rachel Saint, who was the uh, wife of one of the other men that were killed on the beach that day. And Elizabeth was saying, I know that God wants me to go back, but I'm terrified. I'm afraid. And then Rachel gave her some advice. And when I read this, I never read this story before in all my time of preaching and trying to find things to say. I'd never read this story before. And I collaborated at several places on the internet because things get exaggerated sometimes, right? And so Rachel, in response to Elizabeth being scared to death to do what she felt God wanted her to do, go back to Ecuador, Rachel says, said this, and this is what I want to give you today. It's all I want, it's, this is all really I want to give you. Rachel told Elizabeth to, well, why don't you just do it afraid? And as I deal with all those passages, as I deal with water breaking over, the waves breaking over a, a boat and experienced fishermen who had seen storms, but they were scared of this storm. This must have been a, a mighty storm. When I deal with that, it's, it seems to make sense to me. They're obviously afraid. But when God is at your side, you do it afraid. You do it anyway. I think some people sometimes just wait <laughs> and try to pray these feelings of fear away. I think many times we'll be praying a whole long time for that. If there's something that we need to do that's a difficult thing for us, that God has called us to do, and we're just waiting for God to, to, to take all my feelings of fear away so I can just walk in whatever I need to walk in bold, I think that day may never come. We just need to do it afraid. 
When the fear, the fear not of passages that appear in the Bible so many times. As I'm trying to deal with this and understand Scripture and put it into real life and understand, understand God and the way it works, I think fear not basically just means don't run for the situation. You don't have to hide from it. You don't have to stick your head in the sand. I know, it's, I know, I know you're fearful, or I wouldn't have told you Jesus would say fear not. I know you're fearful. Do it afraid. Do what God wants you to do, even if you have to do it afraid. That's all I want to say today. I want you to take that home. and I want you to write it in your Bible. I want you to put it on your mirror at home. Because there's things for all of us that we know we should do, or maybe we even get spiritual about it and say we know God wants us to do it. It may not be some big calling like going on to the mission field, okay. But it's something that we feel God wants us to do. And we're fearful. Don't wait for the feelings of fear to go away. Do it afraid. I look at our police officer there in the back. How many times police officers have to go into situations? You, you tell me they're... They're happy to go in those situations. You tell me their heart is not beating. You, you, you tell me that they're uh, not sweating and they don't have those butterflies in their stomach. Of course they do. They're human beings. But it's their job. It's what they have to do. They can't run from it, so they do it afraid. Many of you have been overseas, served in the military. I never have, so I, I, I can't comment, but I imagine uh, uh, many times that you did things afraid you knew you had to do it you went in gangbusters because you couldn't go in half-hearted because that'd be the worst thing to do you went in gangbusters and somebody watching that was a look how much courage they have well maybe they were just doing it afraid and the things that we have christians have is that we can do it afraid because god is at our side he said he'll never leave us nor forsake us the bible doesn't just tell you to sum up all your courage. The Bible doesn't tell you that. The Bible says take courage a few times, but it's always in the context of, of the Lord is with you. So the Bible doesn't say just sum up your courage, Mark. Suck it up. Come on, Mark. Just, just do it. No, the Bible says just do it because the Lord is with you. Just do it because God is at your side. Even if you have to do it afraid, Mark, do it afraid because God is with you. Don't run from it. Don't stick your head in the sand. Don't avoid it. Jesus said in John 14, 27, Jesus told his disciples that he was getting ready to leave, and they didn't understand. They committed three years of his life to him, and they didn't understand anything. We're on the back side of that, and so we can't feel that. But can you imagine dedicating three years of your life to this guy, leaving your livelihood and all that kind of stuff, and then he says he's leaving. And he tells the disciples in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Why? Sum up your courage? Pull yourself up by your bootstraps? Be a man? No, my peace I leave with you. 
my peace I leave with you. One of the most famous fear not passages in all of Scripture, or two of them, come in the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 1, Joseph gets his unbelievable announcement that the, the girl that he's supposed to be married is pregnant and all the, all the thoughts that had to go through his mind. And in Matthew 1, 20, but after he, that's Joseph, had considered all of that, what the angel told him, the angel came back again and appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is of God. God is in this. This is not you hanging out on there by yourself. God is in this. What is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be afraid. God's got this. God's orchestrating this. And then when the angel comes and tells Mary in Luke chapter 1, now think about that. Here's this little girl, 14, 15, 16 years of age. She knew she'd never been with a man. We can't even imagine what that was like. Can't even imagine it. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So before he says this whole big tale about pregnant and virgin birth and all that, it says, says, The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. How many of us could do what we know we needed to do if we, had known, if we knew that we had found favor with God and God was going to favor that and grace that and help that? In, in, in Acts, Paul was going out and he was preaching here and preaching there and nobody's getting saved and, and, and people were laughing at him, people not believing his message, and he must have been discouraged one night, and the Bible says in, in Acts chapter 18 that the Lord spoke to Paul in vision. It says, do not be afraid, keep on speaking. Do not be silent. And why? For I am with you. For I am with you. And then in Acts chapter 27, Paul's on a boat, he's going to go to Rome. And a big old storm comes up on the sea again. And, and the guys are freaking out and they're throwing stuff off and, and, and they're just freaking out. And Paul comes to him and says, I, I now tell, I, but now I urge you to keep up your courage. He's talking to the men that are freaking out about this storm. Keep up your courage because no, no one will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Well, that helps me a whole lot. I'm going to have to grab hold of a piece of wood and paddle in, I guess. And then Paul says, Last night an angel of God, of the God to whom I serve, and whom I stood, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. I'm in this. This is of me. I've orchestrated this. You must Stand trial before him. You're going to get there, even though the circumstances of your life right now are pretty bad. Fear not. Don't run from it, Paul. Don't stick your head in the sand. Do it afraid. Do it afraid. Then Paul tells him in the last verse there, so keep 
up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Take it home with you today. Do it afraid. If it's something that you know God wants you to do, do it afraid. Even if it's something that's not super-duper spiritual, but you know you need to do it. Do it afraid. Why? Because he's with you. And if you're doing the right thing, he's going to be with you. Sue and I, for our 20th anniversary, went out to the Grand Canyon. And at Grand Canyon, they got this sky bridge. You got a picture of that? That's glass there, by the way, friends. And so you walk 50, 75 feet out onto the Grand Canyon. Well, I logically can think through things, and I said, well, it's, it's holding those people up out there, so it's probably holding me up. But let me tell you, friends, when I took that first step out there, and it was glass, when I took that first step out there, I, my knees just went to jelly, and I went right to the rail right here. Pretty soon I got my sky bridge legs and I was kind of walking like this a little bit, you know. But as in many things that we are fearful to do, after we have done them, I was so glad. I wonder, I wonder maybe what blessing that you're missing in your life because of fear. What conflict that could be Settled if you would just go ahead and do it afraid because God is with you. Old Testament is full of these do not fears, this left and right. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, the Bible says, Be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or terrified because of them. Tell them Joshua this. Joshua is getting ready to take over from Moses. You tell me Joshua wasn't afraid. I'm going to have to lead all these people. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you who will never leave you nor forsake you. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Similar thing to Joshua at the very start of his leading of the people of Israel. Sue and I have this uh, on a wall in our home. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Why, Mark? Because you just can, you've got it inside of you and, and you can just be courageous, suck it up, be a man, Mark? No. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The Lord God was with me yesterday as I was doing a funeral. Right here, Gene. Gene Ringer died, and a few of you know Gene. He came to the first service, never hardly said a word, and he sat there. He died back in April, and we just had his memorial service. And so at, at many times at funerals, you, you read passages of Scripture that talk about don't be afraid because, uh, because of the obvious reasons. Uh, your spouse has died. Your dad has died. Your whatever. And... Even as yesterday's, I was still a little unsure about my message. God even spoke to me through the message that I was preaching yesterday. And I read this, uh, go to the next verse. I read Psalm 27, 1, and, and, 
and God was, as I read that, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? God was preparing my message for me right there. I hadn't thought of that passage. God was preparing my message for me. Like he's done for 25 years now. You know, I don't know about you, but uh, I don't know about other preachers, but you know, every now and then, if I'm really dry on, on Friday and don't have much, I, I, I always say, well, this is, is this going to be the Sunday I don't have anything to say? I think, I, I, you know, because I, I, I'm just amazed I got something to say every single week. I'm just amazed. I'm just, because I'm just ordinary Joe like you. But I've learned that he provides. He's called me to this. And even as I was reading that scripture at the funeral, he, was, he said, Mark, you, you read this funeral scripture at every funeral i need to remind you of it now use that tomorrow psalm 46 is a it's a passage i use at every single funeral as well god is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble therefore because of that we will not fear though the earth will give way and mountains fall into the heart of the sea there's all kinds of stuff that that is not good around you there's all kinds of stuff to cause fear around you though the waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging uh, that that passage ends in verse 10 with be still and know that i'm god you you've all known this this passage of scripture there's some of you that they've memorized it probably in another translation but Psalm 23, verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I even, I even like this translation even better than the King James, you know, that we've all memorized. The valley of the shadow of death, I'm not totally sure what that means, but I can get the darkest valley. Even though I walk through the darkest valley. And that darkest valley for us is a, a spouse that's left us, a cancer that diagnosis, kids that are going crazy on us, unemployment, all the things that can help us walk through the darkest valley. And we can do that knowing that God is with us. Um, how many of you have jumped out of an airplane? Raise your hand. Dean has. Uh, there's, a, there's a few of us in here that jumped out of airplanes. That weren't going down, I assume, that you did that. Okay. Well, I've never done that. And I'm not sure. Uh, I, I, there's probably two conditions that I could do that. One, the plane was going down, and it wouldn't, I didn't have any choice. And, or maybe I could do it like I've seen them do it on those dives when a professional is attached to you. And that professional knows what he's doing, even though I'm totally clueless. That professional has done it 50,000 times. That professional has been there before. Maybe I could do it if the right guy was attached to me. You see the lesson there? 
I will never leave you nor forsake you. So even if you're afraid, do it afraid. One of the things I do when I'm talking with the families before funerals is, you know, I'm asking what they want to do at the funeral and what maybe verses they would like read or songs they would like sung. And then I'll always ask them this question, and, and this is an important question to ask. And even, even if I know the deceased well, I will ask them, well, is there anybody from the family that would like to speak? I especially ask that when I did not know the deceased very well because you know... Funerals go better when there's personal words that can be said from someone who really knew the deceased. And almost every single time, not, not, not every single time, but the great majority of times, I say, is there anyone from the family that could speak? And more times than not, there's, oh, oh, no, oh, no, no, no. We, we, no, we can never do that. If you look on lists that people are scared, things that people are scared of, public speaking is one and death is two. Did you hear that? <laughs> Which means you're more scared of speaking a eulogy in front of a casket than you are being in the casket yourself. Which it doesn't make too much sense to me, okay? But I guess I don't have a fear of public speaking. So they say, oh no, we, could, we never could do that. We never could do that. Oh, oh no. And part of that is the fear of public speaking, and part of that is, oh, I just don't want to get up and, get, be, and cry in front of everybody. And, and so there, that embarrassment and all that kind of stuff. And I just wonder how many people, because of fear, have lost an opportunity to honor your loved one at the funeral. Well, I, I, I might cry, so what? Who cares? The people out here don't. It's just your pride. How many times have someone missed an opportunity to give thanks to God for that father or that mother or that brother or that whatever in their lives because of fear? Do it afraid. You'll be glad you did. You'll be glad that you did.